right, it is that time of the week. It's the greatest Tuesday you've had all week long, and we are stoked to have you here at the True Wealth Show, where we are going to launch into the program as quickly after the talking stops as possible, because we seem to run out of time every time. So you're trying to get right into the meat of things. We're getting, we're jumping into it, and we're going to have a good time today. Uh, thanks for joining me today in Studio Matt. Yes. We tried to convince Justin, and he was like... I've got to go play taxi driver. Yeah, we did our best. Maybe next week. Yeah, our best was very um, adequate at at best. Yeah, it was, was kind of like a... Our, our best could use some work on that yeah. one, right? Uh, so anyway, stoked to be here where we've got... So uh, the, here's the fun one. Watch how we tie this entire thing together on what sounded like a joke in the office before we entered the studio today but is actually totally relevant and ties together all kinds of things that we need to talk about today, influencing your investments and the world around you. And do you have any idea what it is, Matthew? I don't. Where are we going here? Pumpkin spice latte. You know, back in college, that was like the only coffee I would drink. I have a soft spot in my heart for the pumpkin spice latte. and if Let you... it not be said that Matthew is not in touch with his feminine side. Oh, very, very <laughs> too much, too much so. So pumpkin spice latte, which evidently today was the first day it is now available at Starbucks. is what. what That's too talking. early. It's still summertime. Okay. Come on. Yeah, if I just here's, it's not, I hate to, I hate, I agree with you. Like I am trying to cling to summer because i love summer right i actually love seasons in general but i don't know what happened where i feel like i'm two months behind in the seasonal cycle here like i'm not ready for fall yet i need two more months of summer and really then fall oh I'm, everything's out i'm i'm itching for it like bring on the fantasy football bring on yeah, see, fall, you want, fall chinook fishing see, like yeah you're football and fishing yeah and, and i'm like no no i'm like pool hammocks and swimming pools yeah. Right. I I am cool breeze, but here's what always cues me in to when fall is arriving. It's gonna be. It's gonna sound weird, and then I'm gonna point it out to you, and you're gonna go, "Oh man, I'm never gonna be able to look at it the same way ever again." Yeah. Now I'm really curious because I figured everyone was just like, "Oh, the nights are getting colder." Fall. So that sort of happens, but not always. Okay. But fall, the signal is. The color of the sky changes. Oh. Right? The blue gets darker and bolder. Hmm. Right? It's a lighter blue in the summertime when the sun is higher up. And then as, mm -hmm. the, you know, we got that whole axis shift as you move right. into fall. And so you're, the equator's sort of reorienting. And, and so, and, and it's best, that, there's probably some science nerd thing about how, because there's more atmosphere to filter more of the light wavelengths mm -hmm. out, the bold, the blue becomes bolder because the position is changing relative mm -hmm. to the sun. But that's just my cue. I could just sense that summer is 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 because the sky color starts changing, and that's and it's it's not even conscious. I just realize it's going on, and you look and go, huh? Now it's conscious because I look for it. Right. I didn't. Yeah. Okay. You get the days now start I'm gonna, getting shorter, and the sky color starts to change. The blue looks different. I'm gonna start watching that now. Mm-hmm. So back to this pumpkin spice latte thing. Where yeah, are we going with we're that? we're in the fall, and pumpkin spice is the thing, right? So it's okay. fall. But the complaint was, why is pumpkin spice more expensive? 
I don't know the answer to that, but oh, but you do, and we're going to extract it today. You'll see. Oh, okay. I I yeah, do know the answer. You know the answer. Hmm. All we have to do is ask the right questions for you to get, bring it out. Okay. Okay. The interrogation begins. Yeah. This is. Uh, this is what's known as the Socratic method, everybody, mm-hmm. right? So Socrates used to say, all the knowledge is within you. We just need to unlock it, mm. okay? So I don't know if that's really true or not, <laughs> but, but, but Matt, I think we okay. can figure this out together, and I think our listeners can benefit from this. Because right. pumpkin spice latte, like I said, this ties it all together. If you tell me that there's a pumpkin shortage, I'm going to lose my mind because you know that my favorite dessert is pumpkin pie. So just to don't... my knowledge, there is no pumpkin shortage. <sighs> okay, well, I live to fight another day. Yes. You know, it's, it's when the Costco pumpkin pie goes up in price. That's when we will all... Like, I had... Somebody told me that the price of the Costco hot dog was going up to $2 or $2.50 from a dollar. Did it hurt your soul? It did. Okay. I, I, was, I was like... I found myself angry enough that I was like ready to start a grassroots peti- grassroots petition and like everybody <laughs> Get gets replaced. All <laughs> policymakers must go. Costco cannot give me a dollar fifty hot dog any longer. I mean, I nearly lost it when they stopped offering Polish dogs. Like that was an abomination. Really, the Polish dog is far <laughs> superior to the hot dog. Far superior. Do you did you ever do the trick where you take the chili and then dump it on the hot dog and make a chili dog at Costco? Nope. Well, that's not true. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that was but my favorite. That was not there. Pumpkin spice latte. Help me stay on track <laughs> Sorry. here. Sorry. Sorry, I'm hungry. Getting distracted. This is what we said. This is what happens. So, why? First of all, mm-hmm. my understanding. I don't really go to Starbucks with any regularity. Okay. Maybe I can help you fill in the gaps because right. my wife makes me stop there on a weekly basis. Very well. Okay. So, is a pumpkin spice latte more expensive than a regular latte you know i don't know the answer to that but i'm gonna guess that it is just because why not charge more right like you you added a pump of some pumpkin in there magic and therefore it costs more sure so let's unpack first of all why would it cost more well we all know inflation's happening right so can we just chalk it up to that and call it good, or is there more? You could chalk it up. That's that's pretty much it. When we distill it all down, that will be the answer. It's okay. partially inflation, and the other part is because you're willing to pay for it. Yeah, I mean, you got to pay these workers more, right? Like, no, 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 that's no, no. Part that's of it. a separate animal. Starbucks will charge what they can that you'll still pay. That's also so true. So you're willing to pay for it. And that's the supply and demand balance, right? If Starbucks can't get workers and they can't get you to pay for a latte and then they have to cut their prices in half and they can't afford to stay open anymore, they just go out of business. I'd really be interested to find a diehard Starbucks person where it's like, I just wait until this time of the year to get my pumpkin spice latte and then ask them that. Like, at what point do you actually quit buying it? Like, well, my if you're suspicion $6... is it's like I buy it less. Right? If, Maybe. So it's, what do you substitute instead? Ugh. But no one makes it quite like Starbucks. Well, you know what? I got friends that are Dutch Brothers people. So they're like, well, hey, we got options, right? Mm, that's so true. So maybe people you know, go across the street because they're like, hey, 
Dutch Bros. What's yeah. up? Yeah, if they're I doing see. it for $5 yeah. instead or of Or maybe seven. it's My Coffee or The mm-hmm. Human Bean or, uh, you know, there's like dozens of them. I, I, I can't name drop all of you guys, but, you know, we we're doing our best. Supply. Yeah. And I'm not even a coffee drinker. I just don't want to feel like I'm playing favorites on the program here. <laughs> we love you all. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> the idea is clearly inflation mm-hmm. is driving up the price of everything. Inflation is actually a response to supply and demand and people's willingness or unwillingness to pay for something, right? We talked briefly about this prior to the show, Matt. I used the example of food and housing. Mm-hmm. Both have inflated, not the same reason. What, what do you think is the difference between the two? Well, so food is one of those things where you have to have it. Like, you've just you have yeah. yeah, I mean, there's no getting yeah. around it, right? If you don't have it, then you don't need it anymore. But but for all the wrong reasons, right? Yeah, <laughs> but with housing, I mean, it is a little bit different, right? If you're renting and you want to buy a house, mm-hmm. you can you can change course and stay in your rental. You don't have to go buy that house. You can stay a renter. Mm-hmm. So it is a little bit different on that front. What other angles do you see here? Well, so I guess I'm thinking about. Oh, with with housing, it has to do with access to money mm-hmm. as opposed to food, kind of a requirement. Right. right. So if you could borrow a whole bunch of money, mm-hmm. then there was more available to be spent. That is effectively changing the demand side or the supply side. The supply side of money or it's funding the demand so people have the ability to pay more for a house. Right. This is why you can buy more of a house at 3% interest than 6 And that's also why we've seen okay. a huge decline in... Well, that's, it's definitely yeah. slowing the pace of real estate growth. Yeah. I, I think, mean, it's a huge impact. In fact, it's probably I we're think, seeing things reprice lower now. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean that we're seeing deflation in the housing market, right. just so you know. It just means that people were ambitious in their pricing and they're having to get real. I think it, I saw something year-to-date sales from last year, month-to-month, compared to this last month that we just had. And I think it was like a 20% decline. I'm sure that, that decline and, in sales is yeah. noteworthy. Pricing, like I'm not seeing the house that sold for a higher price now mm-hmm. selling for less. I'm not seeing that yet. Mm-hmm. But we're seeing houses that maybe were put on the market at a higher point and they had houses around them selling for close to that and now they're not selling and they're sitting long so we're seeing a change in the dynamic of real estate but it is a different thing right Mm -hmm. nevertheless inflation has been driving those prices right what i want to do is explore this theme of inflation a little bit it connects to something super important the markets had this pretty good run in august in the last since last friday basically friday monday and tuesday Mm -hmm. now today we have seen a big slide in the markets, like yep. five, six percent for the most major indexes. In some cases, more than that, maybe right. like ten percent. Right. So it's been a really aggressive three-day move. The question is why, and inflation is part of the answer, but there's more. Ooh. Right. I want to know the more part, David. I'm certain you do, but we have to take our first evil profit break. So okay. If you will stick around, we will discuss this and more. But first. Very important profit messages. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And you got True Well on News Radio 939 FM and 1240 KQEM.
Okay, we are back after we hit that. God, the voice of the announcer guy yeah. cracks me up. Like, welcome back to News Radio Talking Numbers. Like, what is that? Is that someone in the studio that you're mocking? I me? don't think if it is, I've Apologies. got to find them and do it to their face. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, don't say something behind their back you wouldn't say to their face. Well, quickly, bring me their face. <laughs> So, okay, look, we're so welcome back to the True Well Show, Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. Okay, we are covering today the 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 common thread is the pumpkin spice latte. Now, I realize for some of you, right, like that's just so gross. Why? Who would? Who would but don't tune out. Yeah, stay but on. It's the not. Here. I'm not like advocating for the pumpkin spice latte. It was this joke. It started out in the lobby and the folks were like, well, explain to me why this is getting so expensive. And I go, you know, it's a funny thing you say that. Um, let me just do this dump of a bunch of things and they are all connected and it's gonna drive everybody nuts, okay? So stock market's down. Wah, and, wah, wah. Right? So from an investor perspective, we gotta ask ourselves, what the heck is going on? And we know several things, but the, the, the thread that binds them together is, inflation and the federal reserve yeah they okay. came out kind of negative right well that's what started it but but here's the things i'm going to tie together so sit sit back because some of these are gonna make you mad some of them you may cheer okay some of them you may not get it i'm ready for the emotional roller coaster david okay lay it on me we've got federal reserve yep we've got Politicians in Washington, D.C. Ooh. We've got COVID. Mm -hmm. We have supply chain disruption. We have commodity pricing. We have the U.S. dollar, interest rate policy, and we have stimulus money. And the last one on the list that will get a bunch of people ramped up. Can I guess it? Hit me, Matt. Is it student loan debt forgiveness? Debt forgiveness. Okay. Student loan forgiveness. Okay. Now, that one, we're going to cover that today. Honestly, that one really gets me going, but not for the reasons that you might expect. Okay. okay? But inflation connects all of these. So it's okay? not as simple as things are just more expensive. There's more than even that to it. You listed right? a ton of things. Where do you want to start? Well, let's just start drawing connections between them, right? Okay. The pumpkin spice latte is our icon, right? It's just our point, a reference point to see that, yes, things are more expensive. Not everything is more expensive, but it's more expensive than it was like a year ago. Mm -hmm. Like gas prices, they're coming down. They're still really high, but they are coming down. Okay. Now, the connection to all of this, so first of all, what drives inflation? Demand. Okay. And, and Supply. It's, in its simplest term, it is more dollars chasing after the same amount of goods, right? Or the same dollars chasing after fewer goods. Mm -hmm. You're spending more. I feel like we have a combination of these, right? Because there are fewer goods, we have supply chain right. problems. So and like, there's like more dollars cars, because we keep printing them. Well, and, and then some of it, if, they're, if you're pounding the desk saying some of it is corporate greed, Maybe like that. That's part of the equation is because people can get away with it. But I would say some of that we have to keep in mind is a combination of factors, too. 
right? It's not just corporate greed. It is also cost recovery, right? If corporate yeah, cost you, recovery, meaning, hey, we have a bunch of- We shut the economy down for a while, and companies lost money. That's, that's I don't part mean of it. that kind of cost recovery, but yes. Yeah. That, that's more, that's a- the reserves. That, that's relevant too when we talk about stimulus money and we talk about how we responded to COVID. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about if if you have a bunch of regulatory things that you have to do, like like for a, to build a car, there's all of these safety things that have to be done mm -hmm. in, in engineering or like in. in just, not, yeah. Here, this one will really cranky people up too, right? Uh, developing a vaccine. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's even if there, let's assume that all the motives were pure and it wasn't profit or anything else, but a company still has to pay the money up front to do all of the safety and validation research of the FDA in order to get that approved to then turn around and sell it back to the market. So they have to recover their initial upfront investment, which they made prior to being able to sell the drug, mm -hmm. right? So they have to recover their costs or their investment to get there much of which was regulatory in nature. And the red tape isn't getting smaller, right? Like we keep Not adding typically. more and more red tape. And so that's what we mean by regulations. Okay, Around here locally, it means, uh, and, and I'm not saying that all the regulations are bad, right? You know, sure. we have a lot of regulations that keep our water clean and they uh, you know, protect the environment and so forth. So they're not bad regulations, right? But they nevertheless have a cost of compliance mm -hmm. to deal with it. Okay, and if, if you don't believe me, then you know all I have to say in these parts is spotted owl, right? And all yeah. the regulations that can completely change the value of merchantable timber, mm -hmm. which all of a sudden is no longer merchantable if a spotted owl was involved. Right. So that's the very real life example where it's going to influence the supply side of the equation. So when you hear supply chain disruption, that can also be disrupted by government regulation. Government shutdowns mm -hmm. are disrupting to supply chains. Yep. Okay. And that was part of what we did with COVID. I'm not saying whether it was good, bad, or otherwise. I've said that before. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, you guys already know uh, if you listen a lot, you, you kind of know where I lean on that stuff. But here we are. So if we've got supply chain disruptions, that's going to reduce supply. What about like cars, for example? Mm hmm. There we couldn't we didn't have chips to make the cars, right? Now somebody would say, okay, well corporate greed though. Look how much they're charging. It's true. Uh, if you wanted to go buy an F one fifty Lightning pickup truck right now, which mm -hmm. is the electric truck that Ford came out with, okay, you can't get one. Can't even order it. Yep, they're all back ordered. And if you do right now, you're probably going to pay like thousands of dollars above MSRP mm -hmm. because demand the want for them is really high and the availability is really low and also you're not going to find many base model vehicles right now because if you only have so many chips available what are you going to do you're going to put them in the vehicles that have the most ability to mark up right you're going to pick the ones that you can sell for the most money because that's where your profit's going to be yep you're not going to make money on the low margin product mm -hmm. so you're going to sell the stuff the demand is high supply is low so you can make more by doing that. So corporate greed, yeah, but also supply and demand. Mm -hmm. So if you're mad about the pricing, you could blame the corporation, or you could say, well, what are the economics of the day and what are the other policy decisions that have kept 
competition out of the marketplace driving prices down. Right? Oh, you don't yeah. have a lot of argument over paper clips being too expensive. Right? Because it's pretty cheap to make paper clips and lots of people can do it. So, you know, you don't have a lot of margin in paper clips. <laughs> but it's still an example. But you yeah. know what I'm saying? No, it's a good example. Right? It's real. Yeah. So that's the supply chain element. It connects to inflation. If we had a disruption, some of because of policy and not just domestically, right? I mean, we have China's got all kinds of messed up stuff going on that's preventing their supply chains from operating the way we used to. I don't even know what's normal anymore. So I'm just going to say it's different than it was a few years ago. Mm -hmm. So we're not seeing the goods and services moving back in or back and forth across the oceans. And so that's a disruption. Yeah. I mean, looking at Russia, there that I mean, war has been huge disruptions more than yeah. six months now. I mean, Boeing is having trouble getting some of the parts that they need to build the planes because a lot of it was coming from Russia. Right. So it's like that's well, a disruption. Chip manufacturing suffered because a lot of mm -hmm. the 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 rare um, Earth noble metals. gases that they yep. had that yep. are used for the lasers that they use to then m make these uh, different chips. Oh know, yeah. So super precision manufacturing and some of the supply chain elements that go into the manufacturing process are restrained or unavailable you're spot on ukraine i think was responsible for 40 percent of it and the the facility got damaged in the war and it's not producing right that's so, a great example so, so that has a knock-on effect think pin action right mm -hmm. yeah we, we rolled the bowling ball down the alley and we hit one pin but now we got a split no it's okay you might be able to send the pins sailing and still knock it down the economy works that way things are connected in funny ways mm -hmm. so supply chains get disrupted and that means less is available. That leads to inflation. Mm -hmm. People lose their jobs, but the strange thing is then we, then we do a bunch of stimulus money through um, the basically extension of unemployment and, uh, and other resource to, to it, help people, people not necessarily go back to this, the workforce right. the way they were. So, and people did. They changed. They you know, they became stay-at-home parents or they took work-from-home jobs and they took transitory stuff where they're not employed the same way. They're self-employed and it looks different, right? Mm -hmm. That's almost like two versions of inflation separately there. It's like pouring gas on a fire if they're not working and now they have the money to spend. Oh, completely. Right? So that's inflationary. Yeah. And then it's like, well, we just took a bunch of people out of the workforce and so now there's a shortage of workers, and if you have a shortage of workers, the ones that you are paying are going to demand more money, right. and then so there's wage inflation. Wage inflation, and the thing about wage inflation is... When's it going to go back down? Yeah, when are you going to go take a pay cut? And the answer, uh, the same as far job. as I know, is like, never. Right. Once the wage is higher, then you just raise the... the you know. And there's talk of this now. Let's raise minimum wage. Yeah, I saw Like, like that's going to somehow fix it. It's like... And and this is the this like Jeff Foxworthy. You might be a redneck if mm -hmm. so like you might be an idiot if you think money printing doesn't lead to inflation. Like right. You just you might yeah. be an idiot. Yeah. If you can't connect the dots and see that this this and I will say it wasn't the Federal Reserve that was printing the money. It's when the Treasury just starts putting money in people's pockets, mm -hmm. right? And the SBA says here's a loan that you don't have to repay. Okay. That's just giving people money at that point. Mm -hmm. And I again, the reason for it, well, you shut the economy down. It's imminent demand. you got to pay. We can all rationalize it however we want. But when you used to have a system that had like $16 trillion and then it goes to $20 trillion because of money printing, that's new money in the system. 
and you didn't produce more goods and services. You just put more money in circulation for the same goods and services. Mm -hmm. That's inflationary. <laughs> You're like, try and tell me I'm wrong. Okay, yeah. it's just textbook definition. That is inflation, and you can, you know, you try to change the definition of recession or any of that mm -hmm. nonsense out there. That's inflationary. And if you don't believe me, then Right. I also have some beachfront property in Arizona I would like to interest you in. Okay? <laughs> so I'm just telling you, like, that it just is. And that is the academic definition. And, and so there you go. It's, it's an inflationary policy. So the Federal Reserve now is jammed. Mm -hmm. Okay. They Their are back jammed. Back to the wall. Okay. What do I mean by that? Like, and why? And what are they going to do? Well, I saw you put on that headset, so I'm going to guess we get to find out after this. Yeah, we take a break. break. And I'll okay. tell you about the Fed. Uh, but yeah, we got to take a break. So hang out, gang. You, if you want to know where this is all headed, you're trying to figure out how to make heads or tails of it for your investment future and so forth, we're going to be unpacking that. But first, this important message. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. Get True Well on News Radio 939 FM and 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show, where I am ranting and Matt is putting up with me. Oh, and I'm over here <laughs> nodding. You can't see it, but I'm like, yeah, that, that right there. <laughs> Preach it, David. I don't mean, it's, it's, I guess, so today was a show that, you know, I joke about the theme of the pumpkin spice latte, and it's this theme of inflation and um, how so many things have been hamstrung. And here's, I think, what it comes down to in the end. Uh, we have a Federal Reserve that the stock market is totally dialed into, right? Mm -hmm. and, and largely because they are going to be the largest influencer to the supply of capital to the markets. Okay, so translation, if you're like, what did he just say? He's using financial terms again. The supply, money supply, okay? How easy is it to get access to money? Like, can I borrow money to go buy stuff? Uh, you know, and so that... They, they control that because the Fed is like the, the banking overseer, mm -hmm. right? They're going to set short-term interest rates, and they're going to set policies on how banks underwrite and loan money. And loaning money out into the economy, and it would, if you can look this up on past shows if you want to go through our podcast archives, right? We work in, a, in what's known as a fractional reserve system, okay? Meaning a bank... If you, if you put $100 in a bank, they don't have to keep $100 in the vault waiting for you to come back and get it. They can loan part of it out to somebody else. And when they loan that money to somebody else, you have a $100 obligation that the bank has for you, but the bank now has a loan to somebody else and they have to pay the bank. Right. Now, the bank needs to make sure that they get paid back, so they have to underwrite or otherwise confirm that the person borrowing the money is capable of paying them back. And so they'll want to oftentimes have collateral for those loans and, and other assurances that they're going to get paid back. But the person that took that loan out may go put some of that money in another bank. And then that other bank can turn around and loan it again. And so the money gets magnified as it's loaned out again and again in the system because a fraction of money then gets turned into more. So fractional reserves, you don't have to have dollar for dollar all the reserves in the bank that you have. Uh, obligations, mm -hmm. if you were uh, deposits, I should say. So, you know, you have a million dollars on deposit, but you can have more than a million dollars in loans. Mm. So the policies get set by the Federal Reserve and the interest rates get managed and so forth. So a lot of the oversight happens that way. And if you 
consider that for a moment, then the Fed is a very, very important figure to watch because the stock market is heavily influenced by banking mm -hmm. through margin accounts, which is when you're using borrowed money to buy stocks, through the derivatives marketplace, mm -hmm. which is options or other contracts like futures and similar structured contracts that give you the right or obligation or privilege or otherwise to purchase uh, something at a future price or, or at a future date and set the price today. Mm -hmm. right? So that's what options are for is I can set my price now and set the terms now. And then the as the prices change into the future, I have the ability to have secured my, my price now. So it's kind of like buying insurance, right? Well, that requires lending capacity. And so very, very uh, important to the markets. And the Federal Reserve is backed into a corner because they have two legal mandates to manage. First one being to control inflation. Well, it's, it's, it's to or do their best to maintain attempt. target inflation, mm -hmm. right? And that's like what, two to three? Two percent. Yeah, two percent. So, and they can shift that around a little bit, but it's to stabilize prices is what mm -hmm. their first mandate is. And they, right. they say stabilizing prices, two percent inflation. Mm -hmm. Okay. And sometimes they will allow it to be higher than that temporarily. But then they have a competing mandate right now. And as soon as I say it, if you don't already know the answer, you're going to go, oh. And it is to maintain full employment in the economy. Mm -hmm. But what is full employment? That's a really good it's question. Approximately 5% unemployment. 95% is full employment. So when you see a job market that gets to 90, you know, to 3% unemployment, Mm -hmm. That means that the job market is very, very tight. Otherwise, it's hard for employers to get people to fill the jobs. Right. So they want to actually push it back to 5%? They would like to see the job market soften mm -hmm. because wage inflation happens when the job market's super tight. So in employers essence- Employers have to pay more if they can't get If employees. this is the case, then they could look at it and say, we almost kind of need to kill the economy off a little bit. Well, that's right? There's, yeah. There's like, no kind of. That's yeah. what they're doing. Yeah, let's not sugarcoat it. Yeah. It's like, yes, yeah, that is the no goal. Like, oh, well, maybe they're, no, no. They've come out and said it. Like, hey, we are going to stop inflation. And wage inflation is part of it right now. We mm -hmm. have really strong employment figures. So we need to settle this thing down. And they're shooting for what they call a soft landing. Okay, the soft landing is let's make policy slow things down Let's kill it but, gently. Well, yeah, let's not kill it, right? Let's slow it down without making the growth contract. We don't want to have a recession. We just want to have a slower growth. More of a contraction than a recession. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that's the trick is how can we slow this down without triggering a recession? And history has been not great at that. Right. That's it's it's a really hard to do, even with all the data that we have and all the influence we have. And why is it particularly hard? I imagine it kind of like a game of Jenga where you pull one piece out and you're like, well, did it fall? <laughs> no, it didn't. Well, we're going to have to pull another one yeah. then. And it's There's like some of that. And what I would suggest is it's like trying to play Jenga only the blindfolded. Person, <laughs> well, the person across the table from you is uh, drunk and reckless. <laughs> OK. And that's that's 
the U.S. government right now. That is now. the U.S. government yeah. right now. Uh, I mean, the reality— All I want for Christmas, David, is for them to work together. Yeah. It's like, hey, we're raising rates. And then you got the government stepping in and be like, huh, well, let's just forgive student loan debt. It's like, okay, well, we were trying to curve inflation here, but you just came in and wrecked it. Yeah, and, and by the way, I'm going to throw rocks at multiple administrations. Let's do it. It's, it's easy to throw rocks right now because it feels like, at least fiscally speaking, that what we're going to do is let's try to fix bad policy with even worse policy. Mm-hmm. And we have all of the data in front of us that says— you can't just dump money in people's lap and it won't trigger inflation. Right. We've been doing this for a right. while. And and so then what do we do? We, we say things like, well, let's have the Inflation Reduction Act where we're going to spend even more money. Yeah. And so you go, that doesn't seem like and, – and folks will say, well, it's going to go to infrastructure. And I go, show me where. Because so far <laughs> the infrastructure is like air quotes. You know, infrastructure. We uh-huh. Nudge, huh, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> Come on, gang. I mean, come on. Let's get real. We have politics. This it's a so spending much. bill. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, wh- how much was it? I forget the number, wasn't uh, it? Like, it was know. some number of billions of dollars. Yeah, 600 billion or something again. When was the last time that you spent your way? Like, Look, you're I'm, putting. This is, you're putting. Uh, because I'm going to be an equal opportunity rock thrower, this was the same stuff the Trump administration was pulling. Well, Trump yeah. Trump administration was saying. You know, it's the economy. We need to spend, spend, spend. And, like, we were already running hot. Inflation was right. catching up. And then it yep. was, well, let's keep doing it. The stock market was roaring, mm-hmm. right? I mean, so everything was kicking tail in the economy. People had jobs, and it was going gangbusters. And then COVID shows up, and the Trump administration's out the door. And there is carryover from those policies. Yep. But we've now had, you know, two years, and it's like, okay, we don't get to play this game anymore. It's time to just kind of own it. Right. Who's got the keys to the store and the the shutdown policies and much of what went on, the the ramifications are are obvious in the system. But this is where the idea of, well, let's continue to extend unemployment benefits or let's continue to increase. Once you have inflation, this is probably the the problem is that you create a real the, the term is pernicious incentive. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've used this on the program before, but it's a way of saying you're going to encourage the wrong behaviors, right? Like, don't create an environment where people get paid more not to work than to work. That's a good Bad one. Bad environment. Yeah. Like, that's that's a pernicious incentive. Uh, and so we have that in some of our welfare programs that are well-intended, but there's these little caveats where if exploited, it can not work as intended, mm-hmm. right? And so that's where we get into trouble on this one. Now- the last one that I think we should talk about is how the the, the inflation cycle and all this is going to work. Like, and how's it going to get resolved? So let me talk about one more piece of this, and then we have to talk about the resolution. Okay, The last piece is the student debt forgiveness concept here. Hammer this one home. This one We need is, to hear this. So I'm— I could— it, it, There's a lot of politics in, embroiled in this one mm-hmm. because of the statistics, right? And— for example, there are arguably more college-educated Democrats than Republicans. So by yep. raw numbers, this stands to be something that benefits more to that group. Mm-hmm. And as a result, one could say, well, you know, is this intended to be some kind of election influence? I would actually prefer that we just discard that for a moment. And even though that may very well be true— 
let's pretend for a moment that there's a lot of wrongs that got us here in the education system. Mm-hmm. Okay. And let's simply look at the moral hazard of what's happening. Okay. And that is if you forgive the debt, then a couple things happen. One, it's being transferred to the taxpayer. Okay, so people that didn't incur the debt are now paying it off and, and somebody else. Is. So, so that's, again, it's a pernicious incentive. Well, maybe I should expect the government to do this for me. I should expect somebody else to pay for the obligation that I took out. The other is it is inflationary in nature again. And this is where people are like, well, how is forgiving debt inflationary? It has to do with the college system, right, and how colleges have their own separate inflation index from the like the consumer price index there's cpi and then there's actually the the college equivalent of cpi it's the higher education inflation index right mm, and it the runs st- here. significantly hotter than the g the, the 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 cpi for the rest of the country really oh yeah it's gone up materially more every year I that's mean, why education gets more and more and more expensive it makes sense and this is where you have a lot of kind of pernicious incentive in there is well, if the government's going to forgive this debt, but the government is. is simultaneously requiring that an expected family contribution for people to go, what incentive does the college have to control cost? Right. You're right. basically no, not holding no the college accountable to, yeah, anymore. There's no incentive for colleges to control costs because at this point, um, the, we're going to forgive portions of debt and we're going to require families that make money uh, beyond a threshold to pay for it anyway, mm-hmm. which is sort of a phantom tax on education for families that it's a progressive phantom tax, right? Then it, we just don't talk about it that way. And so I was like, that, it always bugs me when you go, well, these are sort of things that people don't necessarily understand systemically mm-hmm. that do contribute to inflation. It's going to contribute to the, the inflation cost of college. It's just going to produce more debt for, for the students later. Right. Right. It's like, well, we're going to pay it off. So go ahead and take out more. And you can afford to pay more now. It's like putting a Band-Aid on something that needs stitches, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say it's like giving an alcoholic a drink. Yeah. Right? And it's like you, they really want it. and it, But, but it, it's not going to lead to the right outcome here. And so you may think you're being compassionate doing it, but in reality there's some cruelty in it at the same time. You're enabling. Yeah. And, well, and then all the people around them are going to suffer too. So I, I think there's some real issues with that. And – Again, I'm not I'm not here to say we shouldn't try to address the debt situation, but I think we need to be a lot more thoughtful than just, you know, what we'll do let's just pick a number and forgive it. Yeah. <laughs> and that being said, if that's how it goes down, use it. Right? If you're eligible, use it. The same way that people that took advantage of the systems in COVID, I mean, if the government is clumsy about it, what we need to do is get smarter as a, as an electing body mm-hmm. at who we elect and hold them accountable to these things, but it is what it is. Right. So yeah. so don't don't be proud and then suffer for it uh, because we're all going to sort of suffer through this one, one way or the other. Mm-hmm. We do need to solve it. I just think we're solving it the wrong way. I agree. All right. Look, we ran long on the segment. The When we come back, let's talk about how do we fix inflation? OK. And how are you going to as an investor try to apply that into your investment strategies? But first, this break. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. You got True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. Hey gang, home stretch of the True Well Show. Dave Little John in studio with Matt Dixon. And Matt, yep. How are we gonna fix inflation? Start electing 
bet. No. <laughs> Partly, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, number one, like I said earlier, for Christmas, all I want is for the Fed and the U.S. government to start working together instead of against each other, right? Because it seems like we kind of started to sense a little bit of a break. The Fed was like, well, you know, it's kind of kind of working a little bit. And then, you know, we see a couple things of legislation come through and they're like, whoa, crap, you know, well, here comes here's more. Here's the crazy, when I say crazy, here's the thing about it that's kind of weird. Realize that there are those that actually would prefer that the Fed, like they, they're not a fan of the way Jerome Powell is approaching this, right? I feel they, like his, he's been trapped in a corner though. Well, it's not just him. His philosophy largely has been to, uh, I believe, to continue to, to f fulfill the mandates of the Fed. And he's um, trying to be pretty uh, balanced about his entire yeah, approach to this. Yeah, I would agree. But he has also not been a big fan of the direct payment mechanism of let's just put money in the consumer's hands because he knows that's an inflationary mm -hmm. event. Right? And yet we have some political undertones for the, the radical progressive side of the aisle that would suggest that we should do something like universal basic income. Okay? Mm -hmm. And that's the idea of, well, let's just give everybody money. And unless we're willing to radically overhaul the system and give everybody a baseline amount, but we have to change a lot of other things in the system, mm -hmm. to do that in the existing system we have right now would likely be inflationary. Yeah. Right. And, so, and I say likely because somebody's going to, well, if you did these other things too, Right. You have to change other parts of the system. If you otherwise don't, you just put money in people's hands, it gets spent fast. And that's inflationary in an environment when we already have inflation. Yeah. So universal basic income or direct payments to people, even at the lower end of the spectrum, it tends to ultimately be systemically problematic for the people that make the least. Yeah. Because inflation hurts people that make the least the most. And so it damages the lower middle class. Mm -hmm. So I don't like the idea of universal basic income, but if Jerome Powell were to be replaced, and you were to have a, a more generally progressive uh, Washington, D.C. and Fed, that could be an experiment that could be tried. It's something that if you want to Google this, it's not for this program, but go Google modern monetary finance or modern monetary theory. Mm -hmm. And it's the idea that, well, maybe we don't ever have to pay back the debt. So debt's just part of what we have, and so it's just a thing that you sort of manage through economic cycles. And it's just going to be there, and it's going to kind of keep getting bigger. And the, the inflation will continue to sort of change the value of things, but we're just going to keep going with it. And, uh, you know, I kind of feel like this is the theory when somebody says, well, we'll just burn all the gasoline. And they say, well, I'm, we're not going to run out in my lifetime, so it's not my problem. Mm -hmm. That's sort of what modern monetary theory comes off as to me is, well, That's... it's not likely to be a problem in your lifetime, so as long as the system can last longer than you can, then whatever. Just keep printing. Keep yeah. tapping into quantitative easing I when know. you need to. And that it, it bugs me. I, I just don't like that philosophy that it's okay that our kids inherit or our grandkids inherit a super giant mess as long as we get what we want. Yeah. And we've sort of been playing that game now for decades. I think one of the issues that I see is, you know, I'm not – picking on any one president right or any one administration but there it's a it's a vote by really right oh, like sure, sure. We, we've been doing it for so long we come in and we say well this is my way of fixing it and it always involves spending more money mm -hmm. and until we break that cycle we're gonna keep pushing inflation because we're not as a country fiscally conservative in washington dc well, we haven't been since when 
And most of us, the dirty secret is very few are fiscally conservative other than in lip service. Exactly. Right? Because if it, it would be austerity to really become fiscally conservative. We would be cutting programs and mm-hmm. we would be laying people No off. one would it, like you. It you would, would be, be a, hated by everyone. It would be a very painful event for the country to retool economically. Uh, and, and so that's politically untenable, so mm-hmm. nobody bothers to do it. It's just, right. well, as long as it doesn't happen on my watch, we'll carry on. And I, I don't know how long we can keep going until the music stops. And then, you know, will there be a chair left for you to sit in? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, but I had this feeling back in 2013 when we were kicking the can down the road with Greece trying to go bankrupt or mm-hmm. not go bankrupt, right? So uh, my theory is that so far, as long as all of the world's major economies continue to agree to it, the music may play longer than we expect. I just know that there's there's not an environment I can conjure up where you ultimately don't have to pay this back. So Watch 80 years from now, someone's pulling this out of the archive. These guys really had it the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. Uh, we're not the only ones that say it, of course, but hey, we'll take it. Uh, how do you fight inflation? The, the real trick on this one is own assets and be patient. Right, mm-hmm. assets are the things that are going to reprice in value. If you own things that don't have real value, then you may be holding vapor. That's the harder one, right? What so, if someone needs help knowing what assets to hold, David? Well, since the music's already playing, I'm going to keep it real simple, Matt. They call us. Okay. Five four one three seven five zero eight nine eight, and you can go to the website at uh, littlejohnfs.com. How else would they reach us, Matt? Shoot us an email at info at littlejohnfs.com. All right, gang. Well, we're out of time for now. Until next time, this has been Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. Thanks for tuning in to The True Wealth Show. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.